Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. This episode is part two of a conversation that was started in the episode immediately prior to this with Erica Jones about the underworld and about different expressions of the archetypes of Pluto, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. In the previous episode, we covered some of the philosophical and psychological foundations for this conversation, and we dove into Pluto. And in this section, we'll be talking about Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. So if you haven't already, go check out the episode just before this one and come back to this one. And if you have been following us, welcome back. And here's the rest of our conversation. I'm wondering if you can speak more to some of the other planetary archetypes as you did with Pluto in terms of how they shift as more healing um, or holing work occurs. Yeah. So um, I really like to think about the difference in Saturn and uh, how that shows up by transit or even in personal experience. Um, once a particular threshold, I suppose, <laughs> Saturn, that's a very Saturn word, a threshold, mm. um, has been passed. So Saturn uh, is a maturational force. And um, mature, like, wow, I mean, we could trip out on like, what does that even mean? You know, it, it really points to uh, the experience of linearity and time, that things are progressing and going forward and not going and never you know, sort of changing through time, never to go back again. Um, that's, that's Saturn's action. And um, it, Saturn also speaks very much to our, our role and our contribution to the world. Our, it's an interper- interpersonal planet, so it really speaks to our, maybe our work, our calling, our destiny. What's our destiny on this planet? What is it that we are to offer to this amazing community of life that needs us. It needs us. And so Saturn has this sense of necessity of drawing out, of, of pushing us to, to give, to, to discover, what am I here to, to, to offer and to give? And at times it can be uh, a very painful experience uh, because we're sort of pushed beyond what we think we can do or um, there's even the physical uh, element of Saturn, of being embodied, of being in this material world, because that's Saturn's plane, is this material world of um, where illness and sickness and infirmity are reality, as well as death. Uh, Saturn also represents death. That's that ultimate threshold from our perception um, in this uh, body, in this human body. And so... After, I think that once a lot of healing and and holing work has happened, that Saturn isn't looked at as this big, mean bully, this terrible, horrible thing, which it also can be at the same time. And I would emphasize that, especially for anyone who is uh, going through or has experienced severe illness, when we bring a a soulful uh, perspective to things that have happened to us and we give a new story, that doesn't take away the pain that doesn't like eliminate 
the shittiness or the terribleness. No, that is all still very much there. That, that exists alongside the deeper reality that, wow, because like, I'll give a personal example. Like when my husband uh, left me, I said, it's the best gift he ever gave me. What a good friend, because he had to be true to himself. To be true to himself, our relationship couldn't work. We just had some incompatibilities. And so to be true to himself, he forced me to be true to me. But I had to say yes to that. I had to say, okay, I'm going to go through the fires of hell for however long it takes to discover who I am and um, who I really am. Because with that primary relationship rupture, um, I lost a good deal of my egoic sense of self. And so before all of that, that was just crap. Like that was just a terrible thing that he did to me. How could you do this to me? Betrayal, et cetera, et cetera. All the stories of abandonment and loss. And those were all real to, to who I was then. And um, I'd say at this point, I honor that, that, that age of me. I honor that, um, that part of me that was so hurt and rejected. And I also am just really happy about <laughs> meeting the one of me who recognizes that I would have, I would not be the person that I like <laughs> right now. I would not be that without that loss and that separation. And um, so as Saturn continues uh, to move through the heavens and to make aspects to our chart uh, in its regular intervals, whether that's to itself or to other planets in our charts, or even just in the sky and world transits of all that's being asked of humanity in this moment, in this time, um, we can look at it as this terrible punishment only, this horrible only, this horrible thing that's happening to us, or to step up. Um, and look at it as from the perspective of wholeness, like actually what is being asked of me here? What, what can I um, discover from this, whether it's loss or restriction? What creative response do I have? Because actually, you know, create, creativity requires limits. It absolutely requires limits. Ask anybody who's into improv or um, innovation. If it was limitless, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what would be the impetus to actually innovate or change or, or create something new? And so, um, I think that that discovery of playing with limitations and uh, accepting that limitations are there can open up new vistas of, of personal meaning and um, that aren't always material, tangible things. They're quite often uh, spirits, good spiritual goods. But how often have I witnessed material bypass? It's this uh, idea of, I've just kind of stumbled into about uh, like our unwillingness to feel difficult feelings or have hard conversations or um, take on uh, responsibilities that are actually ours by uh, fleeing into the material world. I'm going to pay someone off or I'm going to buy my way out of something um, and to just to flee to the material world in order to avoid uh, a real spiritual duty. So I know this, those are some thoughts about Saturn. I love that. That. <laughs> I'm almost speechless, actually, <laughs> kind of going into a reverie um, about Saturn. So mm. let me come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's, it's I'm glad it connects or is resonant. 
Yeah, I think that what was coming up was um, I've started to think about alarm bells that reality gives off where something isn't working, um, something's coming up that's like kind of maybe a repetitive issue and having a story about it that is more victim oriented or just like, oh, I wish this wasn't happening and starting to switch that perspective to Ooh, like reality is asking something of me right now. And what is that? And having like a creative or engaged um, attitude towards meeting the challenge or meeting the obstacle versus trying to somehow avoid the responsibility or material bypass and give the responsibility to someone else. And um, what I think is interesting about it too is that it seems to continually arise that it's not like there's a, an arrival point where Saturn stops knocking at the door, like, (laughs) you know? No. And so (laughs) it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. Right. And so I've just been, um, having this experience the last week where I'm like, I think my Saturn return is like, I'm starting to feel it early or something like, cause I just keep having these moments where I realize that I need to step up in a different way. And it's the same mm. situation that I've been dealing with per, for years even, but suddenly there's more clarity about being responsible for the situation at a greater degree to which I had previously recognized. And it's also very simple things of like having the awareness that I'm happier when my room is clean and that I have this narrative that it's really hard for me to keep my room clean, uh, but I'm starting to be like, you know what? Like, that's silly. Like I could just clean my room every day. And at the end of the night, before I go to bed, take the dirty dishes out of my room, wash them and like spruce up my room a little bit, go to bed and wake up in a clean room. And it's actually that simple, but there is a part of me that was like so resistant to doing something so simple that would make me happier. And I just have been thinking about that in terms of Saturn. Oh, that's such a great example. And, um, and then when I hear you say that, like when I think about it from a healing and holding kind of perspective, there would, I would just be curious about if it were me about that part of me that that's telling the story and getting to know that and getting to know her and like how old she is and what she feels about all kinds of things and um, to, to, to cultivate a relationship with that, that part of you, because um, that, or if it were me, right, that part of me, um, because the odds are like that part is showing up in all sorts of different places and Saturn's uh, pressure and coming is going to be pushing that more into awareness. Um, and so taking the opportunity Every time uh, it it may arise, and to the point that it's you know not exhausting <laughs> because we only have so much time for X, Y, and Z, but to just track to track those parts and um, find out like what what the the bigger story is and you know how deep how deep it runs, and then of course you can even track that back to the to the natal chart and find uh, planetary archetypes that might correspond to um, that particular voice. Um, or that particular perspective on things. That's such a, a wonderful, and I think Saturn um, victim versus uh, participant. That that is a, a really a nice way of of 
I suppose, encapsulating that idea that I just shared in long form, you know, but whether I'm going to be to feel like a victim because this happened to me, or whether there's more to it than that, because sometimes the victim is, yeah, completely there too. But is there more to it? Is there more to who I am? Because how often do we reduce ourselves to, to victims only? And what great, right. what great loss to, to us and to our lives and our living and our dignity, indeed. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely not just my room, <laughs> too, but it's like a lot of different facets of my life that I'm starting to kind of slow down and be like, hmm, and like think yeah. of some more solutions instead of identifying so much with some kind of problem. But right. do, do you um, have thoughts on either Uranus or Neptune? Well, let's see. I think with um, Neptune, Neptune's a difficult one because of it's, it just dissolves. <laughs> As you know, it, it dissolves what it touches. Um, and if I can think of an, a specific example, um, well, well uh-huh. what about the difference between illusion or delusion and lucidity and spiritual clarity? Well, you know, and I, I think about that. It's, it's, you know, I suppose one could make the argument that w- which part of us is showing up for Neptune's jam, you know, for Neptune's uh, jam party, because uh, certainly when influences like that can come in, um, I'll, I'll give an example. So someone recently uh, had a, a Neptune transit to their son. And I think that it must have been an unusual experience for them. I don't, I don't, I kind of know their natal chart, but so Neptune, um, Neptune going over the sun can correlate to non-ordinary sorts of experiences where you're more permeable and psychic to psychic impressions, things coming in. Um, so you might suddenly be clairaudient and hear things that, that, materialist science says you can't hear. So hearing people's thoughts or um, being exposed to uh, just all sorts of like incoming, even daydreams that are so powerful or prophetic. And uh, this person uh, was was having uh, intense experiences with me. Uh, and I was feeling them too, because I'm a son Neptune. And that to me, I, I have actually come to uh, not be bothered at all by merging with other people's consciousness. Just be kind of curious to be like, well, I don't know what that means, <laughs> and I don't, I don't get, a, I don't get, I don't get fast, I don't get fascinated or obsessed about it. I did early on, but through getting through lots of experiences, I've just come to be like, eh, whatever, you know, this is this is normal. I'm not going to obsess about it. But the other person seemed to want to make quite a story about what it all meant, and um, and it ended up being. Uh, I don't know what of their wounds that was feeding, but it clearly wasn't coming from a place of maturity, uh, but of needing some kind of story that made them feel X, Y, or Z. And for me, I was just kind of like, whatever, that's curious. I wonder what that means. Maybe I'll find out one day. Maybe I won't, <laughs> you know? So that's sort of like two very different experiences of um, the same phenomenon, literally, uh, both of us having this experience of, of merging of uh uh, almost like it's almost like inhabiting the same body um and 
one person needing to have some kind of story or it to, to be something or mean something. And another person just being like, whatever, like, that's curious. I don't know what it means. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just patiently waiting to see if it does mean anything. Maybe it doesn't. And I think that's a really key, key, key way of going through Neptune. Uh, Neptune's more difficult influences is um, not assigning stories, particularly or any any of our, our intuitive capacities. So people um, with a heavy water influence, cancer, um, uh, cancer Pisces and Scorpio uh, can have a, a lot of intuitive capacity. And it's like, just treat it as just information. It's just information. You don't know what it means. It's the assignment of meaning that creates the trouble. Or, you know, sometimes there can be inspiration, um, but 99% of the time it's not. 99% of the or time, like, it's just information. And being and sitting with the information long enough to get more of the context, to get more of it, um, that's the wisdom of, of, that has to come in. Uh, because typically the stories that we want to tell about these things are just coming out of our own needs and not out of some objective reality or being able to step back and actually see accurately what is happening. I hope that makes sense. It makes total sense. It reminds me of a quote that I've heard attributed to Neptune, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly, but it's something like, see it all, but believe none of it. Yes. 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 And I think that that is really important. And I love the story too about merging consciousness and that it's just become so routine to you that it's not, it's like part of the mundane, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. even though to the, to the mainstream, it's definitely not mundane, but I really relate to that in a sense of, um, working with my own intuition and mm -hmm. that it is really related to my inspiration. And I do often act on my intuition, mm -hmm. but there are certain intuitions or, bizarre experiences that enter my reality that I'm like, well, that was interesting. And <laughs> what can you do, you know, but if you come up with a belligerent or fiery story around every single intuitive thing that happens, and I think I already did that, you know, that was where I had a spiritual emergency and got in trouble and had a run in with mm -hmm. psychiatry. And that part of it was because I was attaching too many stories and too much meaning to this spiritual opening that had occurred for me. And then I encountered Saturn in my environment, that kind of restriction, containment, and I learned from the experience, you know? So it's interesting, yeah. like, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I relate to that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, well, I hope, I hope listeners um, will also kind of connect to that and allow for uh, the reality, actually, of a lot of those experiences, but the 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 see all believe nothing. <laughs> I really like that, and it isn't. I mean, it really isn't the not believing nothing, but it just it takes time. There's the Saturn word, like it just it takes time um, to whether it's an ongoing lifelong capacity or curse slash gift. Um, or just something that is happening because of, of your current transits uh, to really just be patient and and let it take the time that it takes to distill into meaning or to, to disappear, to just sort of float away and actually have been nothing. Um, yeah, it's that attachment to uh, wanting things to mean one, one thing or, or another is really what, like you said, gets us into trouble. 
Yeah. And then what about Uranus? Mm. Oh, Uranus. <laughs> what to say about that guy um, or gal, them? Um, I Yeah, okay. I think the Uranus opposition, that transit is a, is a really interesting one to think about. So, um, Actually, a few people in the audience have asked or requested information about the Uranus opposition. You're talking about the Uranus opposition around the age of 41. That's right. Yes. And, uh, you know, age 40, 41, 42, 43, it can come a bit later for some people. Um, and that's when Uranus in the sky makes a 180 degree angle in opposition to natal Uranus. And this is a time of awakening. Um, one author, oof, I can't remember, oh, was it maybe Barbara Hanclaw was saying uh, she saw lots of Kundalini awakenings at this time, actually, because it's it has this kind of electricity about it, so that it might arouse uh, spiritual energy within us, um, which would could also lead to the delusional <laughs> sorts of things that we just kind of touched on, or how do we orient to this incoming strange, uh, non-ordinarily attained information or insight. Um, so, so, you know, I think that at the, at the Uranus opposition, there is an awakening to really wanting to, to be one's true self. Uranus can be the rebel. Um, it certainly wants to liberate. It wants to break free and break out of any sort of limiting structures, which that would be Saturn. A lot of times those planets are placed uh, at odds with each other as if they are opposites, where Saturn's the past and Uranus is the future, um, for example. And so Uranus wants to, to break us out of the, the limiting structures at the opposition and say, hey, yo, you were here, you are put here to do something very particular. And um, like, do you know what that is? And for those who haven't really been leaning in, or maybe it's something totally new, like, I think we should allow for that. Like, maybe we're not always ready to, to know what our soul is here to do until we are older, until we've had more life experience. It would be too overwhelming to know um, certain things about ourselves. And so, new things come to light or just there's this awakening to want to, to, to make this contribution. It's almost like a, it, it really aligns with the destiny part of Saturn in that way, but it, it comes with a, almost an arrogance will want to come out. I find that a strong, a strong Uranus can, can be, have a lot of swagger and a lot of arrogance of wanting it my way. Uh, where, you know, Uranus is the rebel, the one that's going to overthrow. Well, essentially, you're saying that your rules, your system, your Saturn is better than or, you know, more worthy than the existing Saturn. So, Uranus really does contain quite a bit of Saturn in it. Um, it's just that it's like negating the negator. <laughs> I'm going to, the trickster, you know, I'm going to overthrow the one who uh, says that I can't. And, um and so at the opposition, whether we decide to uh, maybe be afraid of the responsibility that comes with that, I mean, asserting, really asserting a different way or to, I can't help but think of overthrowing a government, right? Like you're saying that you know better and that's a lot of responsibility because you're going to have to like, it's easy. It's very easy to say someone else is doing something in a bad way. Well, what's the right way? What's a good way? 
let's, you know, show me that. And then we can talk revolution, (laughs) you know, true revolution. And that's, um, having the, the whole plan laid out and the whole, like the alternative laid out would be a much more mature, um, response than to be just, I'm just going to get rid of the old thing. And I have no plan at all. Um, and gosh, I, I remember a very vivid example of a your honest opposition, uh, gosh, several years ago, a man who was extremely conservative, um, even racist, and he came to his Uranus opposition in his early 40s and suddenly started to hang out with really young people, um, started to like dress up like Burning Man style. I mean, this guy went from like full on country, kind of like country music, big truck. I would even say, you know, use the stereotype redneck um, to suddenly going to raves and hanging out with people of color and getting to know them and overcoming and overthrowing all of these um, preconceptions and preconceived ideals that, that ideas that he had had about other people and um, being more open hearted. And um, I, yeah, it was really dramatic. But, and then on the other hand, he kind of like abandoned his family and abandon his responsibilities to run off and become this, you know, to try to have a new childhood. So I think that the, you know, a a different way to do that would have been to, um, or an alternative could have been to, to still take care of his family and still, um, really at least tend, tend to his children, even if he wanted to end the relationship that he had with his partner, fine. But, you know, your kids, <laughs> you brought them into this world, like to actually take care of them and to, to explore the expansion of his mind uh, in, in ways that were still honoring uh, the past and honoring uh, how far he had come. So, I think that uh, Iranian influences, whether uh, it, it has a sense of responsibility to at, at least to oneself, I mean, I don't know, to one's true obligations versus the um, just I'm going to throw everything over and, and screw all y'all. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I appreciate how you're you're showing the Saturnian side of Uranus. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And even I sometimes think of Uranus as like a blueprint or, you know, are these very intelligent, innovative plans or genius even, but genius has a structure sometimes uh, yes. often does. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So another thing that I want to ask you when it comes to having access to the spiritual realms, that doesn't necessarily discriminate upon maturity or having frameworks for it even. And so, or you can have a certain practice that allows you to have access to the spiritual realms, but then comes responsibility with how to wield that energy or that power. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you think about working with having access to spiritual knowledge um, in a way that's coming from psychological wholeness um, or health? Mm. Yeah, this is a a really important distinction that I've uh, stumbled into fairly recently, or even to think about it, to think of psychology as different from spirituality and and what or how how are they different, right? Um, Because psychology is like literally the study of psyche and a way of, of trying to make sense of how we make sense <laughs> of the world. And I think that there is a, a real big difference between psychological 
wholeness and health and spiritual knowledge because if our as we've been discussing like well different if the if the planetary archetypes are going to show up in different ways depending on um, our degree or level of maturation or wholeness or integration um, then certainly as spiritual knowledge comes in as you said like there are different spiritual techniques that can open us up to uh, different truths things that are that are these universal truths or understandings um, and bring that and bring that into our being but it actually comes through our psyche and our psyche can be filled with all kinds of wounded children and all kinds of escape, you know, escape artists and um, abusive figures and, um, you know, shadow guru kind of stuff. So I think that um, spiritual insight that comes into say, for example, a narcissistic psyche that can totally happen. Like a narcissist is not, not, you know, held off from or kept from receiving spiritual insight, it doesn't seem to be so that those things are mutually exclusive. And that spiritual insight lives in a very different place and comes through very differently uh, through a healthy psyche. So I think that this lack, you know, a lack of real psychological development and maturation of integration of, of wounds within uh, spiritual leaders is, is one of the reasons we hear so much about abuse at the hands of spiritual leaders. Um, all throughout the, I was really noticing that uh, with the Me Too movement of, of you know, who, who in this spiritual world was uh, being called out for their abuses. And uh, even beyond that, I mean, there are plenty of, of examples of spiritual communities breaking down for different reasons uh, over, over abuse and over just, I mean, what appear to be really psychological uh, blind spots and difficulties in the leadership. Um, so I think that uh, the, it's really necessary to do shadow work, to look into what's hidden, to look into, um, it, you know, even, even as astrologers, I kind of think of astrologers are often looked upon as providing some kind of spiritual leadership to their clients and how important it is for us. And it's not about being perfect. It's, it's about uh, owning that responsibility and being willing really willing to, to look, to look at our own stuff and to, to do our own healing work. I mean, for our own selves, my gosh, you know, it's a wonderful gift to give ourselves, but to, to do the, the, you know, shadow just refers to that, which is hidden, that, which we don't know. We literally don't know it about ourselves. So that, I think that requires quite a bit of compassion. It's not like I'm willfully, like negligently trying to harm someone. It's like, I just don't know. So, um, a willingness to to actually do our own developmental work and and to be aware as seekers if we are seeking out knowledge from others that that they may in fact um, they may have spiritual knowledge but they may not be very skillful in sharing that or in being with students um, there's often a lack of awareness of power dynamics on the part of leaders um, and I think that that's uh, that has driven me nuts in so many different, especially Jungian oriented communities. Cause you'll go up to the, the instructor, the teacher or whoever who has the power and you know, you try to address something with them and they'll always turn it back on you. Well, what does that say about you? Uh, <laughs> dude, look at yourself. 
Like, how could you tell people, how could you say, um, for example, have a rule that students, uh, students aren't to talk amongst themselves about others who aren't present, um, that, that, uh, and certainly not about the instructors or the people with power, whereas you're not recognizing that you have the power the students, if they talk about you, they're going to lose face. They're going to lose, like be demoted. They're, you know, like they're facing uh, potential for sanction if they were to bring this up with you. What if they don't feel safe to do it? And um, I think that, that this is just, it's a really hot topic that um, the psychotherapist and yogini, uh, Mariana Kaplan, uh, brought to my attention. And she's actually spent several decades with sort of hands-on helping and, and the fallout of abuse within spiritual communities. She has an interesting body of work around that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a book, um, it's called Psychotherapy and Spirit that I read for the first time in 2016. And it was the first um, introduction I had to the idea that psyche and spirit were connected and that spiritual knowledge comes through our psyche, mm. um, which now is something that I just take as a given, but it was the first time I had comprehended that. And I was mm. going through a really difficult time period and I had this kind of feeling that I had done something wrong somehow and was like being punished, which was not even part of my belief system, but it was just like, I couldn't understand like how something so tragic or whatever could have happened in my life that I was like, well, I had to have done something to manifest it or whatever. And so I read this book and I was really blown away. I was like, actually, maybe the ways that I'm thinking about this situation are about my psyche and not about my relationship with the universe, mm. um, which was really helpful at that time. And yeah. I continue to unpack that. And this also reminds me too about one of my um, like favorite kind of content creators, Layla Martin is a Tantra educator and her, the way that she shares information about Tantra just feels really healthy and really um, safe. And she, in her own story and she shared it on YouTube and whatnot, she had a, um, she navigated some difficult teachers, like when she was studying Tantra, where there would be teachers who had access to these tantric energies and could activate or, you know, create experiences for other people, but that they were not psychologically sound or aware of power dynamics or that they abused their power. And she made the point, she's like, you can be in touch with energy, but not have awareness of power dynamics. And she's just really like, she's really powerful in a way that I would say is like positive power. Mm. She's an empowering figure, but I really appreciate that she came out and talked about that. And I think it's really um, helpful for spiritual practices or teaching things, even like astrology to include things about power dynamics and, um, just these other things are like trauma informed practice, things like that, um, that I think is, is coming into the, um, the languaging in the, in these communities. And of course, um, there's always room for development and there's maybe more situations or some situations that are more extreme or more dysfunctional than others, but it's a lot. I think that being on a spiritual path, being on a personal development path, like they're so deeply connected, I think. Um, and it's interesting to try to consider doing one without the other, like 
it's hard for me to really, I mean, I, people don't have to believe in, sometimes people are very into, um, personal development, but they're not spiritual. So they don't have to include that. But then you run the risk of like, where do you find that source of compassion or complete forgiveness when you're on personal development work? Um, I guess you can just kind of conjure it and not think it comes from the universe. But anyways, I'm kind of going on a tangent. Um, I do think it's possible to do personal development without spiritual development, but Mm. I don't know how healthy it is to do spiritual development without psychological development as well. Oh, heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I've talked to psychotherapists about this and um, they said that in, you know, many in their experience that it's almost impossible to go very deep in the personal without, without running into the spiritual. You, you can avoid it, but it's 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 a conscious avoiding um, that in fact, once you get so deep into the our woundedness, there is a there is just a, a psychological need actually for there to be something greater than oneself. Ooh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um Erica, you are just so deep and profound as a thinker. I really have been (laughs) blown away by what you have been sharing. You're very kind. Thank you. (laughs) I mean it. And Mm. I'm wondering how people can interact with your work um, or work with you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So I am at, I have a website and I call it Real Imaginal. And it's realimaginal.com. And I'm really interested in making the imaginal, our imagination, something real again and engaging with that in meaningful and tangible ways. Um, Really love people who are willing and ready to go for a soul oriented reading. Um, And I'm very carefully assess uh, whether that's the right thing. So, um, I do work closely with people on that. And um, yeah, you can find out pretty much about pretty much everything I do there. I also am on Instagram, Real Imaginal Astrology, and I have a Facebook page, Real Imaginal. And um, yeah, I look forward to doing some more publishing and hopefully getting some live live stuff going here in the Seattle area. I'm located on Vashon Island outside of Seattle, and I might I might start up a meetup group here, Sabrina. I don't know. I'm toying with the idea, um, but I do want to. I like to do a lot of embodied astrological practice, uh, so combining systemic constellations work with astrology. I just I've I've gotten to do it uh, last couple. Of years and I that that venue went away and now I'm like oh I think I want to do this again so it's it's just a way of um, being in your body and really exploring the planetary archetypes uh, through through it's almost like a guided meditation um, so yeah that's just a few things about me oh that sounds great Erica that seems like a lot of fun and seems like it would be a boon to people in the area to be able to do something in person like that yeah um, 
Cool. So thank you so much for sharing your ideas um, on the show today. I'm so excited to share this conversation with everyone. Yay. And it's been a pleasure. Yay. Hey, me too. And um, thank you so much to everyone who who's tuned in and to you, Sabrina, for all your work and all the beautiful and the wisdom that you share with us. I, I really love your Instagram. And um, I look forward to all, all that you're going to bring forth in your long, illustrious career. Oh, thank you, Erica. Wow, what a great conversation. Erica is so brilliant. And I'm glad that we got to have her on the show. And for you who are listening to this, and you've made it through this episode and the episode prior to it, maybe you've been listening to this show. I just want to thank you so much for listening and for being part of this tribe. I really do think it is a tribe. And I say that because when we express ourselves, when we put our ideas out there and someone resonates with it, we're kin in some way. And so it is really, you know, whenever I get to connect with those of you who listen to the podcast or who read my blog, perhaps it's through an astrology reading, which you can book with me at my website, monarchastrology.com, or you enroll in one of my classes, I end up getting to spend my time in my work life with really deep and interesting people. Because if you're interested in these things that we've been talking about, I would go so far as to say that you're a deep and interesting person. It's kind of um, funny to say, because then I know it's, it's pointing back at me saying that I think I'm deep and interesting, but I do think that about myself. So I will just own that. But um It is really a pleasure to share the airwaves talking about substantial things. And I do think that the underworld, you know, now that I have these different experiences of going into the underworld and coming back out, there's a lot of different ways. Like, you know, if I'm going to do like a deep transformational journey or I'm going to face a fear or something like that, I think that can be a way of kind of moving into the underworld. But sometimes we move into the underworld because something just happens and we're kind of brought under. And I go about my life, I guess, in such a way that I don't seek to suffer. I don't seek hardship. I'm not attracted to the depths in a negative way just for the stimulation or whatever. I actually really do seek happiness and well-being. But... I know that part of my well-being is associated with being holistic and having a holistic life. Therefore, I'm interested in turning over the stones and seeing what's underneath them. I get an image a lot when it comes to Pluto and the underworld of when I was a kid. I have a lot of memories of playing outside and picking up rocks and seeing like all these little creatures scurry out like pincher bugs and roly polies and spiders even. And that's such a visceral sensation, (laughs) that memory or that image when, you know, you're out as a kid curious in a garden or something and you lift up a rock and suddenly all these weird looking critters come scurrying out. And so I think that that is kind of what it's like when we look into our own psychology or maybe something comes up and we are like, ooh, like I just had a really intense reaction to something or I feel really triggered. What is that? And getting curious about it. And I think that 
from a perspective of fear, maybe it's looking under the rock and being like scared at all these little insects and spiders and stuff that come out. And if we're more kind of interested and more, I don't know, relaxed, (laughs) I can't think of the right word about peering into this space, then maybe some of the icky looking critters and stuff underneath the rock don't actually look that icky to us. It's more like, wow, like that's a really interesting thought that I'm having right now. Or this is an interesting emotion that I'm having. Where does this come from? And of course, I think that we do have different seasons of life where, you know, coming like, let's say from a, um, if you come into a place where you know how to willfully engage transformation in your life, maybe you've also realized that it's not always the time to dig deep, that sometimes it's great to just enjoy, have leisure, have fun, to build a stronger ego, maybe before completely annihilating it through some kind of transformative process. But that when we do feel ready, when we do feel called going into the underworld, going into the depths, going into a psychotherapeutic process, going into a psychedelic journey, whatever it is that we're doing to get underneath and to see beyond the appearances of things, we'll know when we're called to that. And if we should find ourselves there in a sense dragged, which happens when we go through some kind of loss or trauma, then I hope that some of the information in this show is helpful to you on your journey and that your life may be rich in all of its seasons, all of its moods. I think that when we are in the underworld, that can feel isolating, it can feel really lonely, and it is a place that most people go at some point. It's part of the cycle of life. And there is a certain dignity in knowing that realm and knowing how to operate in it in such a way that can be life enhancing. And if you think about a garden with all this beautiful plant life and flowers, the soil is made up of dead things and compost. And so there is something directly life enhancing about knowing how to let go and knowing how to engage the depths. I think I will stop with that thought here and just wish you a beautiful rest of your day and many blessings to you on your path. Thank you for listening and do go check out therealimaginal.com to find out more about Erica Jones' work. Her The links to her work and her Instagram will be in the show notes and go connect with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch or go to my website, www.monarchastrology.com to read the weekly forecast that I put out or to find out how to book with me um, or to sign up for my mailing list so that you can get the weekly forecast straight to your inbox, as well as be informed of when my courses open for enrollment. Take care, everyone. Thank you.